come to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the first chapter of St. Luke's Gospel beginning at the 67th verse. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the ways of peace. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Christ Jesus, I hope that all of you are glad that you came. As you came into church this morning, I am sure that you said, what a difference from last Sunday. Here all the Christmas decorations are up. And of course that means that we have now entered the Advent season. Today is the first Sunday in Advent, and it also ushers in a new church year. The word Advent means the coming, and it refers to Jesus as the coming one. There are four Sundays in the Advent season. They are the four Sundays before Christmas, and the purpose of the Advent season is this, so that we might use these Sundays to prepare ourselves for Christmas, that we might celebrate Christmas the way we ought to celebrate it. And this is the way we are going to do it this morning. We are going to take a look at this child of Bethlehem, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, what child is this? Who is this child whose birthday we are going to celebrate very shortly? And to get our answer this morning, we are going to ask a man by the name of Zacharias. He was a priest of God. His wife's name was Elizabeth, and I'm sure you remember something about them. You recall that while Zacharias one day it fell to his lot to burn incense at the time of sacrifice in the temple, well, that an angel appeared to Zacharias and said, Zacharias, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child, and you are to call his name John. And Zacharias was rather flabbergasted by that announcement because his wife was old in years and he was an old man, and he couldn't believe that she at that late date could have a son. And so he asked for a sign. He said, it's hard to believe. Give me a sign that I know this is true. And the angel said, this shall be the sign. You shall not be able to talk until the child is born. And then Zacharias lost the power of speech. And six months later, the angel, you know, went up into Nazareth, up in Galilee, and announced to Mary that she was to be the mother of the Christ child, and also told her that Elizabeth was great with child. And Mary, then you remember, left Galilee and came down into the hill country of Judea, and she visited her cousin Elizabeth and stayed till about the time that Elizabeth's child was born. 
And then John was born, and on the eighth day when he was to be circumcised and to receive his name, the relatives gathered for that rite, and they said, we must name him Zacharias after his father. And Elizabeth said, no, his name shall be called John. And then they looked at Zacharias, and they said, Zacharias, what shall your son's name be? And then he motioned for a tablet, and he wrote on the tablet, his name shall be John. And when he wrote that name, then his speech was loosed, and he was able to talk. And this is the great song of praise, a prophecy that he gave, inspired of the Holy Ghost. And he is the one then that he says, God, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited his people. And he thanks God that God has remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham. And that from David's line, again, the Savior was going to come. And he looked at his little boy and he said, And thou, my little son, he said, you shall go before him. You shall be called the prophet of the highest to prepare the way. And then in prophecy, as though Jesus had already been born, even though he wasn't born until six months later, he said, By the mercy of our God, the day spring from on high hath visited us to bring light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And this morning when we are getting ready for Christmas, we say, Zacharias, what child is this? Who is this child that was born in a manger? And Zacharias says, Do you want to know who he is? He is no less than the day spring from on high. Zechariah says, As the sunrise brings light to this earth and dispels darkness, so this child is no less than the day spring, the dawn of heaven. He is the sunrise of heaven who came to bring the light of eternal life to us and to save us from the darkness of eternal death. That's who he is. And you and I may say this morning, do you mean to say, Zacharias, that this child is the day spring from heaven, the dawn from heaven? He is the morning sun from heaven who came to bring the light of eternal life for us and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. And you know, that may surprise you. I mean, we may say to ourselves, oh, I'd like to believe that that babe of Bethlehem was no less than the dawn from heaven the one who came to bring the light of life and to take away from us the darkness of eternal death. But we may say to ourselves, I, I realize that Jesus was a wonderful person. I realize that he was a great person. But was he that big that we can say of this child of Bethlehem that he was no less than the day spring from heaven, the dawn from heaven, that he was the morning light, the morning sun, who came to bring us the light of eternal life and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. Was he that big? In fact, we may even say to ourselves, isn't that a bit of exaggeration on the part of Zacharias? Isn't that an overstatement to say the least? Isn't it almost hyperbole that he would say that that babe of Bethlehem, that child, no less than the dawn from heaven who came to bring the light of life and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. Is he that wonderful? Is he that glorious? Is he that big? When we turn to the word of God this morning as we're getting ready for Christmas, thank God, as Zacharias speaks to us and said, Listen, friend, he is no less than the day spring from heaven. He is everything that the word of God says because Zacharias in the first place assures you and me that this child of Bethlehem, he is no less than God. 
He is no less than deity. You know, somehow or other, when you mention that this babe was God, there are those that say, oh, that has to be an exaggeration. That has to be an overstatement. That must be hyperbole. What else could it be? How could that child be no less than God? And yet Zechariah said again, he said about his son, he said, my little son, he said, you shall be called the prophet of the highest, the prophet of God, and you shall go before the Lord. Zacharias called this child that was going to come this day spring, called him Lord. Deity, oh, to understand Christmas, we must know this, that this child, he was no less than God. Our God is one God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He was God the Son, who again, from eternity equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, who came into this world and there was an incarnation. He took to himself a human body and a human soul. He became a human being, but he was true God from everlasting. He was also true man. And when again we said to ourselves, isn't this exaggeration that that babe was no less than God deity? Let's bear in mind the miracles that he performed. How could he still the tempest? How could he heal the maimed and the halt and the blind? How could he raise the dead? How could he raise himself from the dead? Because he was God. When you and I realize that this child was no less than God, he was that big. And when we look at his life and we say, how could he be God? Can you imagine that this babe one day stood before the world and especially before his enemies and he said one day, which of you convinceth me of sin? And you realize that 2,000 years later, the world looks at this person's life and said, there is no sin. That life has been examined, that life has been diagnosed, and we say the greatest life that has ever been lived. He dared to say, which of you could ever prove that I have ever sinned? Because he stands as the spotless one, the sinless one. Because of his miracles, you and I say, this is not exaggeration. This child whose birthday we are getting ready to celebrate, he was no less than God. And therefore, big enough, big enough that he is, as Zacharias said that he is, that he's the day spring that came from heaven. He is the dawn from heaven, the morning light, the morning sun, who came to bring the light of eternal life to you and me, and who came to absolutely dispel and take away from us the darkness of eternal death. Why? Because being God, he had all the power to do that. He had everything that it took to do that. And we look at this child and we say, we're getting ready for Christmas. And that means that we are celebrating the birthday of one who was the dawn from heaven. As the dawn brings light to this earth and as it dispels darkness, he was the one who again, when he came, he came to bring the light of eternal life to this world and to take away from us the darkness of eternal death. And that's why as we're getting ready for Christmas today on the first Sunday in Advent, we ought to say to ourselves, I want to believe the testimony of Zacharias as regards this child as who he is. And then we will begin to realize just how indispensable he really is. Had he not come, there would be no light of eternal life for anyone. There would only remain the darkness of eternal death. And I know today there are those that say, you talk about sin, a sin is rather an outmoded thing. Do you mean to say that all of us are in the darkness of sin by nature? Do you mean to say that all of us are sinners and that all of us stand condemned before God? May I say God, who is a righteous God, who demands perfection from you and me, assures us that there is no difference at all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, God puts something into you and he puts something into me that convinces you and convinces me that we are sinners. Oh, that spark of celestial fire, as the poet would call it, that which we call conscience. 
Your conscience and mine has condemned you and condemned me many a time, hasn't it? That we have failed and we have come short. That we have broken God's law and mend that conscience, that moral sense that you and I have condemns us. You know and I know in the sanity of our own mind that, again, had Jesus not come into this world, there would be no rescue from the darkness of eternal death for any man. Well, I know today it's a great pastime for people to try to get rid of a guilty conscience that condemns. There is one way to get rid of it that men are trying, apart from Jesus Christ, and that's to kill it. How many do we hear today that are saying the way to get rid of a guilty conscience is to go out and to live in immorality, to go out and to live in incest, to go out and live with the world, and you can kill conscience, you can dull it, that it no longer troubles when you do wrong. And how many are on that road to say, let's go out and let's get a fix. Let's go out with dope and let's get rid of a sense of guilt. Let's go out and get LSD. Let's go out and get drunk. Let's go out and forget. And when conscience is killed, there are those that feel that now there is no condemnation awaiting them. But may I warn you and warn myself that these consciences, which sometimes, especially some of our youth, are trying to kill, so that again there is no sense of guilt within. Sometimes they have a way of awakening themselves. But let's realize the indispensability of this babe had he not come, because you are a sinner and I am a sinner, and your conscience condemns you as mine condemns me. Had he not come, there would be no light of eternal life, there would only be the darkness of eternal death for all men. And when we realize how indispensable he is, then we're really getting ready for Christmas because then we're understanding what Christmas means. Christmas, friends, means Christ, doesn't it? Oh, it's got a lot of other meanings, a lot of fine things in connection with Christmas, but when we come to that actual birthday, it is the birthday of Christ. It means Christmas. It means, again, the day spring from on high. It means the birthday of the dawn that came from heaven. It means the birthday of the morning sun, the morning light that came into this world to again to bring the light of eternal life and to rescue you and me from the darkness of eternal death. Then we are getting ready for Christmas. This is the first Sunday in Advent and we say, Christmas is coming and I want to be ready for that birthday. And we say, who is this child? What child is this? And Zacharias, the whole the priest, he says, don't you know what child this is? Why, he's the day spring from on high. He is the dawn that came from heaven, who came again to bring the light of eternal life and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death when we sit in the shadow and we sit again in the very presence of death. Zechariah says, that's who he is. And we say, isn't that exaggeration? How could this babe be the dawn from heaven to bring eternal life and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death? Uh, isn't this an overstatement? Isn't this exaggeration of some kind? And again, Zechariah would remind you and me that he is just that wonderful. He is just that big. Because he would assure you and me that this babe of Bethlehem, he was no less than our substitute, who again, who atoned for the guilt and the punishment of our sins and for the guilt and the punishment of the sins of the world. And we may say, do you mean to say that that babe atoned for my guilt and my punishment and the guilt and punishment of the entire human race? You may say to me this morning, do you mean to say if there will have been 1,000 trillion human beings who have lived on the face of this earth, that that babe atoned for the guilt and punishment of their sins? Do you mean to say that that babe in his death on the cross 
that he bore the equal of an eternity in hell, separation from God for 1,000 trillion human beings? Yes, you got me right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And you may say to me, that's ridiculous, that's rather absurd, preacher. That is hyperbole if I've ever heard it. If that isn't an overstatement, I never heard one. But may I remind you who this one was, this babe, uh, this one who came again, who was the day spring from on high. Don't forget he was God. And as God being our substitute, the uncreated one of more value than the human race. And therefore, when he bore the guilt and the punishment of our sins on the cross, he, because he was God, because he was our substitute and bigger than the entire human race, exactly what he did on the cross, he paid the bill in full. He absolutely did the entire ball of wax for you and me. That whatever there would await us in the darkness of eternal death, he bore it on the cross. And that means this, that he is big enough because being the substitute for the world and having borne our sins, we have this assurance that he's so big that he actually has deliverance from eternal damnation for the entire human race. His was a sacrifice that was timeless. And there is deliverance from eternal death and hell for all men. Punishment is a reality, and to know that in him there is rescue of body and soul. What is punishment and hell? It is an eternal separation from the love and the mercy of God. It must be frightful because in that darkness on the cross on Good Friday, when it was so dark you could cut it with a knife, your Lord and mine cried out in his Muttersprache, in his mother tongue, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We're getting ready for Christmas. And it means this, that this child is no less than the dawn from heaven. He is the sunrise. He is the one that came into this world that brought the light of salvation, who came to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. And he was just that big. He was just that wonderful. He was just that great. And on this first Sunday in Advent, then, as we're getting ready for Christmas, we ought to say, I'm going to believe it. And then we'll begin to realize how indispensable he really is. Oh, that dawn. Think of what the dawn is coming into this world. Think of what a day dawned when Christ came into this world that Christmas. Have we ever realized, oh, it was again, the coming into this world of the dawn from heaven. And when he came, the sunrise from heaven, oh, what a light has shown in this world since. How many of us realize that when he came, what a dawn came into this world? When he came to bring the light of eternal life, and when he came to bring again rescue from eternal death, what did he do? We are told that because of the tender mercy of our God, he showed mercy, didn't he? We rolled the calendar back and we started to count time from the day of his birth. He must have been a wonderful person. He must have been terrific. This is 1,969. Never in the history of the world had it ever happened that the world turned back calendars and said we shall now reckon time from the birth of this day spring from on high, this Jesus of Nazareth, this child of Bethlehem. In all nearly 2,000 years we are reckoning time from the time of his birth. He came into the world and he showed the mercy of God. He went about showing love and mercy and kindness. 
mercy. Did you ever hear of hospitals before there came into this world the dawn of this new age, Jesus Christ? Did you ever hear of mercy as we have hospitals today to take care of those who are ill and realize what has happened to childhood when a child was born that was retarded or that was crippled up until the time Jesus came? He was put out and he was left alone that the animals might eat him. But why is it that again there is mercy and kindness to children, the retarded and the crippled and the maimed and the halt and the blind? You women, again before the dawn of the new day that Jesus brought in the byproducts of his tremendous coming, you women again in Hinduism were looked upon as being even less than sacred cows. And again, why is it that you have the status of a human being? Or why is it that again you are recognized as some of God's precious possessions and creations because of the dawn of a new day when Jesus came? We talk about democracy again, that all men stand before Christ and they are created equal, that the ground before the cross is level. And we say, how does it come that in this nation of ours we enjoy the privileges that we have, that each one is important because there was the dawn of a new day, when again the day spring from on high came into this world. And because he talks about the tender mercy of our God, therefore you and I are getting ready for Christmas when we realize just again about the indispensability of Jesus, that we've got the panacea for all the troubles of life. The tender mercy, isn't that a beautiful expression? By the tender, not only the mercy, the compassion, the pity of God, but the tender mercy. What's the answer to all the problems to Vietnam? Again, to the race problem, to a civil righteousness and a civic rights, and we're talking about and to poverty, isn't it this? The tender mercy of that his coming brought into this world. And oh, isn't it strange that we, we don't want to use his way. But when we can go out and we say, look, we have a new era. There came into this world the dawn from heaven. And oh, there was the dawn of a new day. And when you and I love one another to the point that we would have Christ come into the hearts of lives of all men. And when we begin to show that tender mercy, there isn't any problem in this world that can't be solved. We're ready for Christmas. When we can say, well, who is that, babe? Well, that's the dawn of heaven, and he's the one that brought the dawn of a new day in this world. He's got the answer. Today, at the second service, there will be the 1400th consecutive Sunday broadcast that has gone out of this church for 1400 consecutive Sundays without interruption. There has gone out from this church the message of Jesus Christ, and it's always been this. That he was no less than the Savior who came into the world, and that he stands in love and mercy, the panacea for every ill. We're ready for Christmas when we again know that Christ. We say to Zacharias, who is this child that was born in the manger of Bethlehem? And Zacharias says, don't you know? Why in prophecy, Zacharias says, well, he's the day spring from on high. He's the morning dawn. He is the morning sunrise. He is the morning light that came down from heaven that came into the world to bring the light of eternal life and to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. He's just that big. He's just that wonderful. He is just that terrific. Oh, that isn't exaggeration. That isn't an overstatement. That isn't hyperbole. Because Zacharias assures you and me that this child, he was no less than our substitute who merited a perfect righteousness, which is the admission to heaven 
for you and for me and for all men. You may say, isn't that an exaggeration that he, one person, by his sufferings and death, that he earned a perfect righteousness that admits to heaven the entire human race, one person could gain a 100% perfect righteousness, a ticket to heaven for the entire human race, that in him there is all the righteousness that any man born of woman needs to go to heaven. One person could do that, yes. Is that exaggeration? No. As our substitute, he was God. And when he's deity, then you and I stand and we say, this is the mystery of Christmas, that God became flesh and dwelt among us, that it was God that died on the cross. It was God, God the Son, that merited this righteousness that you and I need, and therefore he is the dawn. He is just that big. He's the dawn from heaven because having that perfect righteousness that the world needs to go to heaven, he has heaven to be still. And it's well to stop again to realize that there is a heaven. He was the dawn from heaven. He came into this world, didn't he? And again, as Zacharias talked about his little son, he says, you're going to go before him. You're going to prepare the way before him. You shall be called the prophet of the highest. You shall go before the Lord and to prepare his way. He is the one as our substitute. He was just that big. He has life and eternal salvation. Just as the dawn, as it again, the sun rises in the east, it brings light to this earth and it dispels darkness. So when he came, this day he was no less than the day spring from heaven. He was the dawn from heaven, the great sun, the sunrise, and he brings eternal life because he has heaven to give. Eternal life with him in the eternal mansions of heaven. This is the one who has it for all men. Therefore, when we're getting ready for Christmas, we ought to say, Zacharias, I want to kneel. I want to kneel ahead of time at the manger, and I want to know that this babe is no less than the dawn from heaven. And then we will begin to realize just how indispensable he really is. He alone has peace to give to the world. Zechariah said he will come to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. What is peace that he brings? There is no peace apart from him. The peace that he brought into the world and it is so indispensable because without him there would be no peace. It's the peace of God. It's the peace that brings you and me the light of eternal life. The peace that brings to you and me rescue from the darkness of eternal death. That's the peace of God. And when that peace of God in Christ comes into your heart and mind, then there comes a feeling of peace. And even though that conscience may awaken, that conscience may accuse you and me and may condemn, the peace of God which passes all human understanding becomes yours and it becomes mine. There is no peace apart from this babe of Bethlehem. No man can come to a quietness within, to imperturbability, to peace within, to the blessing of all blessings, peace of mind and of heart, apart from this child of Bethlehem. Look at Zechariah. He was an intellectual, wasn't he? He was the one that when the angel said, your wife Elizabeth's going to have a child, why she was again in menopause for so many years, how could a woman in menopause 
ever bear a child. Give me a sign. But for nine solid months, he couldn't utter a word. How did he find peace? He found peace, this Zacharias. He found peace in the day spring from on high. Oh, thank God there's peace for everyone. Even for those, again, whose consciences trouble humanity. Look at David. David, oh, David tried to get rid of a conscience by saying, I am the king. I can do no wrong. And when he saw Bathsheba, and there was a lust for her, adultery didn't mean anything to him. I'm the king. The way to get rid of a sense of guilt, David thought, was just go ahead and kill your conscience. And he thought he did. And when again there was going to be a child, the next thing was to get rid of her husband, so we had him killed. But old men die in war. It looked all right. I am David, the king. I can do no wrong. But when Nathan came to him and reminded him that he was an adulterer and reminded him that he was a murderer, then conscience awakened in it. It looked like it was dead. And oh God, when it awakened and he said his bones waxed old through the roaring all the day long, and his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth, and life was hardly worth living. And finally he turned to God, didn't he? The past was there, it was history. But he turned to his Lord, whom he knew would come. And he said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin I did not hide. And there came to him the peace of God, didn't it? Forgiveness, life and salvation. David, who was able again to be a child of God again creating me a clean heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me David who was able to say oh bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name we can get ready for Christmas can't we we're ready for it when this Christ and the peace of God when this dawn from heaven lives in your heart and mind oh he can all that we need to say is I'm sorry all that we need to say is him will you forgive me because, again, you are the substitute who died for my sins and who arose again. There isn't anyone beyond the pale of divine grace. There isn't anyone. I don't care who you are or who I am. But what we can be ready for Christmas and the peace of God can be in our hearts. And then nothing else matters, does it? And then we can say, I'm getting ready because it's the birthday of Jesus that dawned from heaven. And we can say, mine eyes have seen the glory. I've seen his glory, the glory of the dawn from heaven, the sunrise who came into this world to bring life and eternal salvation, to rescue us from the darkness of eternal death. We can sing on the glory road. Mine eyes have seen the glory. Well, then whether there are smiles or whether there are tears, nothing else really matters. You see, Christmas is coming, the birthday of the dawn from heaven. May yours be a merry Christmas. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.